guys and welcome back to the Stay In Your Magic podcast. My name is Shanae and you're here for episode four. Now today is a bit of a heavier topic, um, so I just want to go ahead and put a trigger warning that we do talk about depression and anxiety in this episode. Now I don't want to give advice around this topic, um, I just want to share experiences that I've had um, and just a bit of, you know, what I know about the topics. You know, and if you do need help and are struggling with depression or anxiety, I 100% recommend, you know, going and seeking professional help, whether that be your doctor, you know, your counsellor, a psychologist, a mentor, a support service, friends, family, someone that's close to you, you know, seek out that help. Okay, guys, so let's dive in and let's get started. Depression is an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. It's something that comes with a lot of stigma, stereotyping, and misunderstanding. In 2020, though, we are now, more than ever, aware of and accepting of mental health as a whole and the struggles that come with it. Although we can't see it, it's not a physical injury that we can, you know, see and and acknowledge, we still know it's in fact real. So I'm just going to talk a little bit to my personal experience with mental health. So my family has a very long, long history with mental health. And from a young age, I I very vividly remember always being super aware, hyper aware of uh, complex mental health conditions. And these are things like bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And while I understood that these weren't scary things, you know, I knew that it was an illness or it was a problem that we didn't really choose to have. It was it was um, as much as an injury as, you know, a broken leg. And, and I understood this and I knew that it wasn't scary. But I also vividly remember never wanting to acquire a mental illness or a, or a mental health condition just due to the impact that I knew it could have on, you know, yourself, the person dealing with that, and on others, especially your loved ones. So I was, you know, very young at the time, I think probably, I sort of was always aware of it, but around nine I was probably exposed to it a little bit more because, you know, you're starting to get older And I remember being very firm. I think I've told my dad a few times, you know, I'm never, you know, I'm never ever going to have a mental health condition or a mental illness because that's, I don't want that. And I thought that if I stood strong in my belief that I didn't want one, then I wasn't going to get one. (laughs) But if I go in and talk to my darling young self now, go, honey, that is not the way it works, unfortunately. As much as everybody would wish that's, that's, that that is the way it works, it just simply does not work that way. So my first personal, um, first-hand encounter with mental health was when I was 14 and I believe I was in grade 9 at the time. I had anxiety, but I had no clue that that was what it was. 
I was always a very social teenager, very outgoing. I loved school so much. Like I, I loved school. So when I started missing school because I felt sick every time I sat in a classroom, I couldn't figure out why. It was a, it was just as much of a shock to me as it was everybody else in my family. You know, even my family thought I must have had something physical going on, you know, something wrong with me that that medication could fit, you know, fix, you know, a, a stomach bug or something. So, you know, we went to the doctors and, you know, I was told I was fine and, you know, back to school I went, there was nothing wrong, maybe a stomach bug, a touch of the flu. So I went back to school and surely enough, I started returning homesick again. I felt panicked every time I sat in a classroom. Like I, and I mean every time I sat in a classroom, I felt panicked because I genuinely believed that I was about to throw up all over my desk. Like I felt sick to my stomach, so I thought I must have had a stomach bug. And I would force myself to stay in that classroom until I absolutely could not anymore and I broke pull my hand up and insisted that I had to leave. And I'm sure the office lady got sick of seeing me in sickbay every single day. My family were frustrated as they thought I was faking it or didn't know what was going on. Like none of us could understand what was happening. And this got a lot. And so although I wasn't officially diagnosed with anxiety at this time, I have been since and looking back, that's exactly where it started. So at that time, I, I thought to myself, you know, this can't be happening every day. I can't be missing out on this much school. And I remember thinking to myself, I've just got to figure out a way to get through this, you know, this this awful sick feeling. So, you know, everyone was really frustrated with me and this was not the best response for a teen with anxiety issues at the time, but they didn't understand either. So, I decided to start to take a water bottle to every class with me. And then I found that every time I would feel sick, like I was about to vomit, I would take a really deep breath, a few of them, take a sip of my water and crunch the bottle in my hand. And then I would tell myself, okay, look at the clock. There's only 30 minutes left of class, which means only 15 minutes twice and you can do this. So every time I got into a class, I would do this whole routine and it was excruciating because, you know, my anxiety was really bad at the time and it, it was an awful experience, but it, it got me through. Like I, I very, you know, I, I scraped through class in that way. And, you know, every time I got through a class and got to go out into the open fresh air, it felt amazing. My only goal during my classes at that point was to get out of the room and outdoors with as le- like as much ease as I could, although that wasn't really a, a word of my vocabulary at the time. But I was just thinking to myself, okay, I've got to get out, but we've got to make it through. You know, and being inside, it almost felt like I was trapped and suffocated, like I was drowning and that stepping outside alone at the end of class was my breath of fresh air was coming up for a breath of air. So I learned to self-manage all of this through grade nine and early grade 10. And to my, my, and to my surprise, my anxiety actually began to fade off. 
And it did not trouble me for many, many, many years. We actually parted ways like old friends when I was 15 years old. And we didn't meet again. We didn't meet again for another five or so years at least. When I was about 18 to 20 years old, anxiety crept back into my life quietly at first. But this time, he brought a friend called depression as well. So that brings us to my second experience with poor mental health. And this experience was a very hard one. That saw me really struggle and hit rock bottom in the space of a year and a half to two years. It was a very quick spiral downwards. Um, And I am fine now, just a disclaimer. (laughs) I am doing absolutely wonderfully. Um, I love my life right now, but uh, at this time I spiraled very quickly downwards. So I didn't actually know I had anxiety back in my life at this point because it took a very, like it looked very different this time for me and it was hard to distinguish from my depression. So it began when, began when I was 18 and, and, you know, there was a lot of issues as there are for a lot of 18 year olds. I feel like this is a time of growth and, and finding out who you are, but you know, there were family issues, friend issues, you know, there were very toxic relationships in my life, which have now changed because everyone has grown and worked on themselves, you know, me, everyone around me. But, you know, I found myself in a spot where I had to move out of home and I was staying with friends and moving from house to house. Like I, I didn't really have any sort of stability in my life. I had a job, um, but that was a job that didn't pay very well. But I had no car, I didn't have a lot of belongings, and I had no savings to my name. So I really did struggle at this time, and I struggled a lot. And, you know, throw into the mix that a lot of disconnection from family and friends and, you know, a lot of friend drama and, and you know, not a lot of support. Plus, you weren't, I myself wasn't willing to ask for any support. And then all of that mixes together to create this sort of perfect foundation, perfect little house for for depression and anxiety to move in and live with you. So there I was in this little house that I'd built basically and that my life had created and anxiety and depression had moved in. And I didn't recognise the signs early because it started off quietly. Wouldn't put any effort into my appearance for work anymore. I would cry all the time, but I didn't think anything of that. I would think about death a lot which I thought was normal. But looking back now, you know, I don't ever think of death daily. You know, that's not something I think of. But I thought about it a lot. But I would be happy around friends because I knew I got to social drink and that made me happy. It made you a bit carefree. And through this process, I started to acquire friends who were not in my best interest. And a little disclaimer again, I still had friends at the time who were brilliant and I have those friends to this day, but I did distance myself from those friends because I had these new cool friends that actually were terrible for my health (laughs) and my mental health. 
you know, so I was letting them into my life and I was letting them treat me badly and I thought it was okay because I had no boundaries. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was happy to be used by people and be a bit of a doormat and the people who I thought were my friends were doing this and, and I thought that's what friendship was. You know, then I slipped down again and I was struggling so much financially that I I actually started to take out payday loans just to eat food. And look, I wish I could go back and tell my young self now that it is a slippery slope um, and it is not worth, it's not worth that. It's much easier to ask for help and swallow your pride. But I suppose when you're engulfed by depression and anxiety, that is not your first thought. You're sort of in survival mode. And this is what I was in. I was in survival mode and doing anything I could um, to keep my head above water. And so it was a slippery slope getting those payday loans because obviously I didn't have money and that's why I was doing it. But that meant I could then not meet those repayments. And there were literally days at work when I was 18, 19, when I would eat the cream biscuits available in the kitchen. That's all I would have for the day. Like this is how financially unwell I was at the time. And so I would survive on biscuits for the day. You know, I'd have six cream biscuits and that'd do me. And you know what? I was very lucky in that space that some people within my workplace saw my struggle and offered to buy me lunch or offered to help me with, you know, situations that were happening in my life and acted as a really good support. And I am forever grateful for those people and they know exactly who they are and exactly how they helped. But I think I may have even took that a bit for advantage because, you know, you're you're not in a mindset where you're thankful or grateful when you're you know, when you're depressed or anxious, you're in a very weird headspace and you were not yourself. But, you know, while I was in this struggle, my depression and anxiety grew. Like I had no resilience. I put on so much weight. I was using alcohol as a pick-me-up on weekends. Uh, you know, I was just, my life was sort of a crazy spiral of, of things that didn't really represent who I was at my core. I was not on my life path like I talked in my last episode. I just, I was very lost. I was very sad and I was very unsupported or so I felt at the time, you know, and, and other people may see it differently, but this is my story. This is how I felt. Um, and you know, God, I'm not innocent here. I didn't treat people very well while I was in this headspace either. I think you become a very ugly person if you're not dealing with your issues well or in a productive way. So basically I became a very large burden on nearly everyone I knew. (laughs) Well, that's how I felt. And I didn't know anymore how to maintain healthy relationships. Like I had no clue. But I was very lucky. I had family members reach out and I started to get back on track. Um, I got help with budgeting, you know, managing my money, paying off loans, finding place to stay so I didn't have to pay rent so I could get back on my feet and get back on track. And, and I was doing so good and I felt really okay. And, you know, looking back, it's nothing compared to how I feel now and how well I am now, but I felt okay. It was the most stability I had had in a very long time. 
But then I found myself in a relationship. And I strongly believe, you know, having the knowledge I do now, that if you're not your best self and if you're not living your soul path and purpose and if you are not at your highest vibration, then you will attract people that match your low vibration. Sort of what you put out is what you get back in a sense. Um, And I'm not saying you deserve these people in your life. Oh, goodness, no. I think they can feel when you're vulnerable and I think they can take advantage of you if they're those sorts of people. So I very quickly found myself... Um, in a relationship where I was very vulnerable, where I uh, sort of made my whole life about this person. Um, You know, my world very quickly became about this person and I put all my resources, you know, emotionally, financially, you know, physically everything was, you know, invested in this person because they made me feel good. They made me feel so happy at the start, you know. It was this nice change from feeling unloved to being loved. But there were so many conditions with that love. And I accepted that love because I had none at the time. I didn't have any self-love. And I felt very lonely and isolated. And my depression and anxiety made me believe that this was a good love. This was enough. This is the only love you're going to get. So take it and grab it with both hands. And without going into detail, this situation this relationship very quickly turned into a uh, violent relationship um in in many different ways um unfortunately and look i'm okay now i'm very okay now um there was a lot of healing done through that but at the time i was in that relationship and because of that very uh, traumatic and toxic situation depression and anxiety hit me like a ton of bricks I've never felt it hit me that hard before and I never have since thank goodness because I know how to deal with mental health now and I was actually diagnosed with situational depression and anxiety Um, and I feel like that name's a bit self-explanatory but it's because I was in a very traumatic situation so I was diagnosed with that Um, but I also had obviously Um, a lot of traces of that and a lot of anxiety and depression before that but when it fully flared up um, was a situational due to the situation I was in and so there were days I would not get out of bed (laughs) like I just I couldn't get out of bed I had no motivation my whole body would ache my whole entire body would ache I piled on more weight I was a shadow of myself. I had no self-worth. I cried all the time. I very rarely found joy in anything at all. I had panic attacks, which were new for me, and I didn't know what was going on when they were happening. You know, I had so many health problems stemming from my depression and anxiety. And, you know, it was an awful situation to be in. And, you know, every afternoon then I would drink to deal with the situation that I was in I became a very different person to what my essence actually is and who I am now um and I actually my heart goes out to the girl I was because I kept an element of domestic violence is that you you keep a lot of this to yourself and you you feel like you uh you disconnected from your family and friends and that you can't reach out And, and you're manipulated in a way that you know 
I can't even explain the manipulation that occurs, but, you know, it, it happens and, and, you know, I was in a very poor headspace, um, very poor mental health space. And do you know what? Um, I, there were times where, um, you know, there was attempts on my life and anybody, I think, would go oh my goodness like that you know that that's a lot but it's something that at the time you feel like dying is much easier than living in the pain that you're in you feel like you're a burden to a lot of people at the time and you feel like that's a nicest place to be that's a nicer place to be not in pain anymore not crying not sad you just want to go and feel nothing and you know I still vividly remember that feeling and even thinking about it gives me chills because I'm so happy now and I'm such a good place but it's crazy to think that people can actually feel like that and so many people in the world do feel like that on a on a daily basis and that's why it's so important to get help for these things but sometimes you're so deep in that spiral full of shame and and sadness and worry that it's so hard to pull yourself out and I was actually pulled out of my situation and reconnected with my family through a car accident in which I broke my leg and I was forced to return home to them and this without a doubt was the absolute best thing that could have happened to me the best I got the best thing that could have happened to me it was a wake-up call and it was something that stopped me in my tracks and forced me to deal with my depression and anxiety forced me out of a situation that I wasn't supposed to be in I was literally sat there with nowhere else to go and I had to learn everything from scratch again I had to learn to walk again to, you know, like regulate my own emotions, to be self-dependent, um, to be independent, to, to find out who I actually was again. And during this time when I was down and out and I literally was sat with a broken leg and had to be forced to deal with everything, I made a pivotal decision to see a psychologist. So I sought help from my doctor and she was brilliant. She um, explained where I could go, what help I could get to, you know, sort out myself and my depression and anxiety. And, you know, seeing a psychologist helped sort out the things going on in my head that I didn't even know were happening. All my thoughts and feelings, especially making sense of the trauma I'd been through which at the time I didn't even recognise as trauma, I thought was very normal. And the narratives I was telling myself because I'd been manipulated to believe these different narratives. So we sorted all of that out and, you know, there was a lot of work and I just had to sit with my emotions. I, I had to process how I felt because I couldn't distract myself with doing things because I was sitting down or laying down every day. And, and through this time, I read a lot. I read a lot about emotions and did as many, you know, like activities and exercises to do with uh, shadow work and self-discovery as I could and healing. And actually, Louise Hayes' books are 
like you can heal your life. Wow, an absolute godsend. Like things that I was reading just to build up my self-worth again, to figure out who I was and to tell myself these things that were happening weren't my fault were brilliant. And of course, I took accountability for the things that were my fault as well. And I'd learned a lot about that because that is very important too. Through this process, I apologized to a lot of people that I'd actually hurt because I had hurt a lot of friends. I had I had hurt a lot of people, not intentionally, but I got the chance to make my amends. And you know, I I found my sen like myself spending a lot of time alone in that period and with friends and family. And I had a beautiful support system and beautifully patient people around me. And eventually I found myself back on my feet. You know, the first year after was a positive year. It was a very happy year, but it had its fair share of struggles. You know, I had to find my feet and that feet finding experience is hard. But I also found that once I was moving forward in a positive direction, you know, the energy I was putting out was match. I was getting these positive people into my life. People that I never thought I'd be friends with or or get to experience life with. And since then, since all of that, I have really found that I've consciously continued to work on myself. And I got to a point where I was okay without a psychologist. You know, I am really on my soul path and journey at the moment. And I am finally independent and self-reliant which is something I am so incredibly proud of. But still, I always check in with myself weekly at the very least. Usually it's daily, sometimes hourly when I need it, just to do a bit of a self-assessment to see what I'm doing, um, you know, what I'm doing well with, what I might need help with, how I'm feeling. Um, You know, I just really sort of do a bit of a scan of how I am just to know and it's it's really handy for me too to acknowledge that I can ask for help at any time with anything and that's so invaluable to know that I can ask for help you know it's okay it's okay to ask for help and it's okay not to be okay and obviously now today I am in a very very good spot I've learnt a lot I'm still learning. I still don't do things right and I still stumble and fall. But, oh, my goodness, am I grateful and blessed for where I am today. So, guys, that's my very quick glance um, and overview of my experience with mental health. I hope from that you could take away that you know it's okay to ask for help. And depression and anxiety can come in so many different forms and figures and and can affect anyone, like no one. It does not discriminate. It can affect anyone. And it's okay for you to be able to ask for help and ask questions, read and explore who you are and what you need and what you want to be. Because mental health shouldn't be a scary and taboo topic. I just want you to realise that it is okay not to be okay. 
So guys, I am so blessed that you took the time to hold space for me, listen to my story, and I hope it resonates. So guys, I hope you have a beautiful and blessed week. Take care of yourself and each other. And remember to stay in your magic. See you next time, Groovers. Thank you.